Uh, black socks and dove soap. Now, this is from our church planner, Sean Sears. He says, no lie, I get this every year for the past 18 years from one of my in-laws. <laughs> that just cracks me up. Black socks and dove soap. Number nine, a big can of those three types of stale popcorn. You ever gotten those? The one guy got three cans of those one Christmas. Number eight, the gift I give an unobservant extended family member last year. In other words, the gift you never want is re-gifting. Re-gifting. Number seven, English leather or aqua velva. Some of us can relate to that. Number six, cheesy Christmas ties. Can you relate to that? That's true. At this point, any tie. Uh, number five, clothes if you're a five-year-old boy. Right? That's a bummer. That is a bummer. Number four, anything that sheds hair. Top ten things you would never want. Number three, a Christmas decoration. Now, this is a classic one. You have one day to put it on your tree, then you got to pack it up, wait 11 months before it comes out again. That's kind of a, a different thing. Number two, a Chia Pet. One guy said an Obama Chia Pet. I thought that was kind of funny. Another guy, as an as an honorable mention, another guy said a Tiger, Tiger Woods uh, bobblehead, which you know I thought would be interesting. Number one, what do you think the top th ten, top thing no one would want for Christmas? Okay. Ah, oh, you got it, you got it. That's it. All right. Well, look in your notes. Will you get what you really want for Christmas this year? I want you to write down what do you really want. For Christmas more than anything in the world. What do you want this Christmas more than anything in the world? More than anything in the world, what do you want this Christmas? So, we've, we've had the humor. Now, here's a serious question. More than anything else in the world, if you could have anything in the world, what do you want this Christmas? Because that's what this passage is all about. This passage is about one man who wanted more than anything in the world, what he wanted for Christmas, and waiting for it, and being willing to get it. Well, here's the good news. Whatever you put down in that blank, whatever it is that you want more than anything in the world, you can get it, but you've got to know what it is, you've got to know where to find it, and you've got to know how to wait for it. Those are the three things we're going to look at today from the uh, study of Simeon. So look at uh, Luke chapter 2, and I have in your notes a little bit of the background to Simeon's song. Uh, this happens eight days after Christ is born. He is circumcised according to the law. That's in verse 21. Following that, whenever a woman in Israel would have a child and there would be a flow of blood, she would be unclean for 40 days. So 33 days after, her, after his circumcision, 8 plus 33, they came to 41 days. After 40 days, she was able to enter the temple and to present a burnt offering and a sin offering for her own uncleanness. And that's in verses 22 and 23. And because they were poor, if you had to bring a lamb. But if you were poor, you could bring two birds or two uh, of, of either pigeons or doves. And that's what they brought. And so we know that Mary and Joseph, they weren't middle class. They were lower class. They were impoverished because they brought what a poor family would bring as a sacrifice for her purification. And then a third thing they were doing according to the law is they were at the temple to dedicate Jesus because whoever, uh, whatever child, the firstborn son, the firstborn son of every family was dedicated to the Lord, in fact belonged to the Lord, and you had to offer a sacrifice to redeem that child back. And so they are there 40 days, 41 days after Christ was born. 
He's been circumcised in Nazareth, there in the temple of Jerusalem, to dedicate him. And at this precise moment, in verse 25, at this precise moment, as they are there before the priest, Simon's anticipation is finally fulfilled according to the law. Notice it says in your notes, at that precise moment, a very old man entered the temple, trusting in the promises of God, walking in the power of the Spirit, and he was about to get what he had always wanted and what he had been waiting for most of his life. So let's look at it. Luke chapter 2, and let's read verse 25. And behold, it's like Luke says, man, I can't believe there was someone like this really in Jerusalem. But there was. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. I don't think there was very many of them. Whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. All that background I just gave you. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years old. She was 103 at least. Who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers nights and night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. This whole passage will teach us how to get what we really want for Christmas. But to do that, the first truth we need to understand from this passage is this. What we really want is not found in this world. What we really want for Christmas, and I don't care who you are, lost, believer, unbeliever, uh, you know, whoever you are, wherever you live, what you really want this year is not found in this world. I want you to see four things that Simeon really wanted and I think these things are not just unique to Simeon. I think they are true of all of us here. And see if it's true of your heart. The first thing that he wanted was comfort for the oppressed. Comfort for the oppressed. He wanted rescue. Rescue from his enemies. That's what he means when he says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Look at verse 25. If you would have asked him, what do you want more than anything in the world? He says, I am waiting for the consolation of Israel. And what that means is rescue from his enemies. Now, this word consolation is not a word I use very often, probably not a word you do. 
used very often, but it's one that's common to the Bible. And it's usually translated anywhere in your Bible in the New Testament. When you see the word encouragement or you see the word comfort, it's this word consolation. He's waiting for the comfort and the encouragement of Israel. Now, does he mean he's waiting for personal comfort and personal encouragement? I don't think so, because it's attached to what? The comfort, the encouragement, the consolation of who? Of himself, or what's the text say? The comfort of Israel. You see, his concern was not just personal. It was national, it was corporate, it was for the people of God. Now, what does this mean exactly? I want you to do a little Old Testament study. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 40, because really what he's quoting is a verse out of Isaiah, and it's out of the promises of God. That's what you want to understand. These people knew the promises of God. I already said that in the Christmas carols, that we sing, like, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Listen, reason a lot of times those carols don't ring true in our heart is because we're not saturated with the Bible like the men who wrote those songs are. Well, Simeon is waiting for that which is found in Scripture. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 2, listen to, here, here, here's the word, comfort, comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her. Now, here's, where, here's what the kind of comfort he's looking for. That her, what? Warfare. Warfare is ended. That her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The idea is, we have suffered for our sins enough Now it's time to be rescued. Now it's time to be redeemed. Now it's time for you to fulfill your promises to your people. Notice, sing, or move on to uh, Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. These are some of the, the, this is the background of what he really wants for Christmas. Notice what it says. Isaiah 49, verse 13. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains. Why? For the Lord has comforted His people and will have what? Mercy on His afflicted. That's what He wants. God's mercy on those who are afflicted. Turn to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, verse 18 through 21. Again, God speaks of comforting His people. Look at Isaiah 57, 18 through 21. I have seen His ways, and I will heal Him. I will also lead Him and restore comforts to Him and to His mourners. I will create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to Him who is far off and to whom He who is near, says the Lord. And I will heal Him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Who waters cast up the mire and the dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. What He wants is comfort for God's people and judgment on God's enemies. That's what He's looking for. Look at Isaiah 61. Another familiar passage in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. This is the first passage Jesus read when He preached in His hometown of Nazareth. And here's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now look at this. 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Why? To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for their mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Now look at verse 4. Here's what He wanted. That they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations. You know what he wanted more than anything? He wanted God's people to be restored. He wanted God's promises to be fulfilled. He wanted God's people to be redeemed and forgiven. He wanted the Romans to be overthrown, for God's glory to dwell again in the temple, and for Israel and His people to be free to worship. He was concerned for God's people. He was waiting for when Israel would be rescued, redeemed, and restored to her place of glory. A couple of Bible translations really catch this well. The New Living Translation translates what Simeon was waiting for this way. At the time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Here's how the Net Bible says. Simeon was righteous and devout, looking for the restoration of of Israel. They say, now how in the world does that relate to my desires at Christmas? Well, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But for many Christians, it does. Because here's the fact. Remember Pastor Bruce's series on 1 Peter? What are we in this world? We're aliens, we're strangers, and we're pilgrims. And what we hope for is not right now present. Would you agree? The problem is, that's not what we really want for Christmas. We'd rather have what? What this world offers. We'd rather have peace here and now rather than the peace to come. And yet two-thirds of Christians could relate to what Simeon wanted. You know why? Because two-thirds of Christians in this world, it's estimated, are living under regimes that are like the Romans and who are persecuted for doing what we're doing right now. You don't think, you know, you know what they'd write down? What do you want for Christmas? What do you think a persecuted Christian would say? What do I want more than anything in the world for Christmas in 2009? They'd want what Simeon. They want comfort for the oppressed. They want rescue from this ungodly world. We want God to come and free us and bring the promise of the kingdom. But what about us here in the U.S.? We're not under that kind of persecution yet. Yet, what? how does this comfort for the oppressed relate to us? Well, we have enemies here that oppress us and enslave us and defeat us. And I'm not talking about the Republicans or the D Democrats. I'm talking about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the greatest enemy of all is death. And we ought to want for Christmas more than anything to be rescued from the enemies of the world, the flesh, in the devil. How, how, how did it go in 2009 in your battle against the flesh? How did it go in 2009 in your battle against the world system to squeeze you into its mold? 
How did it go with the battle of death? Have you lost a loved one this year to the great enemy? Do you feel in your own body that you're edging closer to death? Some of us here more than others, I understand that. But the reality is this. What Simeon wanted was deliverance from all of those things. What do you really want for Christmas? You won't find it in the world. Listen, the world won't give you freedom from the oppression of the flesh. The world doesn't have answers to your problems. The answers are found somewhere else. Here's the second gift that he wanted. The second gift that Simeon wanted more than anything in the world was salvation for all people. He wanted redemption from our sins. Redemption from our sins. Look at verses 30 through 31. He says, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. This is salvation not just for Israel. It is for all people. He wanted the sins of the world to be atoned for. He wanted the debt to be paid once for all. What do you really want for Christmas? Do you remember what it was like before your sins were forgiven? Do you remember what it was like? The guilt, the fear. Some of you even had night terrors for fear of what? For fear of dying in your sins. Do you remember what it was like before you had received Christ? I remember the anxiety anxiety that I felt until the issue of my sins was settled once and for all. It kept me up. I was anxious. I was concerned. I was fearful. I was looking for answers, and I didn't really know where they were. But then I remember the joy, the peace, the relief was that was mine the day it happened. Do you remember that day when you got saved? Do you remember when your sins were redeemed? What would you trade this morning for the eternal security of your salvation? What would you trade this morning for the assurance that if you died tonight, you would see God and be in heaven and not be in hell in eternal torment? What would you give for that? What could anyone give you this Christmas that would be greater than the debt of your sins being paid in full? Now let me ask you this. What do you want more than anything in the world? What did you write down there? What did you write down? And if you didn't write it down, what did you think? What do you want more than anything in this world for Christmas? Did you write down the forgiveness of your sins? Are you unsettled in your salvation? Or did you write down the salvation of a loved one? Or a neighbor? Or a co-worker? You see, we got to realize that if you want these kind of gifts, they're not found in the world, and your neighbors, your friends, your relatives won't find the answers to the sins that they struggle with in the world. It has to come from somewhere else. Third gift Simeon wanted. Simeon wanted more than anything in the world, number three, good news from God. He wanted a revelation, a word from God. A revelation that God loved him. Look at verse 32. What a wonderful word from God, or verse 32, it says, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. I think this is amazing. Here is an Israelite who knew God, and you know what he wanted more than anything in the world? That Gentiles who did not know God to hear a word from God that said, I love you, and I have good news for you. That's an amazing desire of the heart. You see, what Simeon wanted more than anything in this world was a word from God, an assurance from God that he loved him, 
that he heard his prayers, that he knew the longings of his heart. What do you really want for Christmas? Do you long for a word from God that would bring you good news? Think about, I I thought about this. Here's some things that maybe you want for Christmas. Do you want a word from God that would bring you comfort when you're under attack? Would you want a word from God that would bring you conviction when you're about to step into sin? Would you want a word from God that would bring you strength when you're tempted? Would you want a word that would bring you hope when you're discouraged? Faith when you're filled with doubt? A word of peace when you're anxious and worried? A word of love when you're forsaken? Well, let me assure you, this is what Simeon wanted, and he wanted much more, and it's not going to be found in the world. You're not going to find it in the Internet. You're not going to find it in the news. You're not going to find it at, uh, you know, around the coffee pot at work. Where are you going to find such good news? You've got to find a word from God. Number four, the fourth gift that he wanted more than anything in the world was this, glory for God's people. And the reason he wanted glory for God's people because he knew that would bring the restoration of all things. The restoration of all things. Notice how he ends his song in verse 32. Not only a light of revelation, but a light of glory. The glory of your people Israel. He wanted God's glory to dwell among God's people in God's place. That's what he wanted more than anything. More than anything in the world. And I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you to do is ask yourself, have I gotten so caught up with myself? Have I gotten so caught up with my problems? Have I got, gotten so caught up with the perspective of this world that I've forgotten what I really want more than anything is God's purpose fulfilled, not just in my life, but in this world. We give to missions here, don't we, at this church? But why do we do that? Because we want a light to the revel- a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Because we want the glory of Israel to fill this earth. Have we lost why we're here? Have we not? Do we not want what God really wants for this Christmas? Good questions. Well, what does this all mean? We want more than anything else in this world. This Christmas, do you long for God's glory to, glory to come down and dwell once again among His people in His place? Do you want God's kingdom to come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Do you want God's name to be honored among all the peoples of the world? If you do, then you'll never get what you want from this world. You'll only find it somewhere else. Simeon's wish list is very impressive and it's worthy of careful evaluation. How, do our, how does our list compare to his list? How do our prayers this Christmas compare to his? But don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged if your list doesn't compare. Because, I mean, let's be honest, we don't come at this quite like Simeon does, do we? We don't come at this naturally in that way. So this isn't here. I'm not here to beat you down with this. I'm here to open up God's Word and realize, wow, I have some growing to do. I have some lists, list changing to do I my wisher needs to be changed my wanter needs to be adjusted that's why we're here this morning not to leave here the same as when we walked in amen Amen. we're here to want what God wants we're here to have a heart like Simeon 
And listen, God will rescue this, you this morning from whatever it is that enslaves you. God will redeem you from whatever sin has burdened you. God will reveal a good word to you, a word of comfort and conviction and salvation. And God will restore all the wrongs and injustices that you have suffered this year. But you must align and I must align our hearts with Him. Because it's not found in the world's answers. It's just not found. What you really want this Christmas, I promise you from the Word of God, it is not found in this world. So where is it found? This is the second truth that we see. What we really want for this Christmas is only found in Jesus Christ. It's only found in Jesus Christ. And this is the beauty, I think, of this passage. Here's what Simeon really wanted. What he really wanted more than anything in the world was wrapped up in a person. He wanted a person. He wanted to see God, the sovereign God's Messiah. That's what he wanted. Look at verses 27 through 30. So he came by the Spirit into the temple... And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. I got what I've always wanted. It's in my hands. And it's this child, this 40-day-year-old infant. This is what I want more than anything in the world. It's a person. It's a relationship with this person. I find that to be amazing. Notice, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Would you just pause a moment and, and glory in the wonder of the Incarnation. I don't know what you put down that you wanted more than anything in the world this Christmas, but it's not found in the world, but it's found in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in a person. It's in a person. I find that amazing. All the things that He wanted is right there in Christ. In Christ, there's comfort for the oppressed. In Christ, there is salvation for all people. In Christ, there is a good new, a good, there is good news from God and a good word from God. In Christ, there is glory for God's people. And I want to show you this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Everything that Simeon found in Jesus is laid out for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 22. Here's what Simeon is saying. As he lifts up the Christ child, as he blesses God and says, this is what I want more than anything in the world, everything I want, the redemption, the rescue, the restoration, the relationship, it's all in Christ. Here's what he's saying, and Paul puts it this way. Verse 18, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Salvanius, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was what? Yes. yes. 
For all the promises of God in Him are yes. And in Him, amen. And amen means let it be, let it be. Way before the Beatles, God said in Jesus Christ, let it be, it is true, amen. To the glory of God through us. Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God and who has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Every one of God's promises is yes in Christ and it's amen in Christ. It's done. It's settled. But all that that is yet to come in Christ has not yet been fully realized. That's the tension, isn't it? So you get saved and you think, now the kingdom's going to come, but the kingdom doesn't come yet. You think, now everything's going to be yes. And it and, and doesn't take long before you get saved and you pray and God says what? No. But His no is often not yet because it will be answered when who comes back who did Simeon have to embrace who had to be present for all of God's promises to be yes it had to be the physical presence of Christ, presence of Christ and so you see we all stand this morning in the same position that Simeon stood in, we're waiting for God's promises to come in who? In the person of Jesus Christ. So the real lesson of Luke chapter 2, the real lesson of Simeon's life is, how do I wait for what is promised? How do I wait for what is all coming to me in Christ? And so I would uh, give you four ways to wait for God's promise just as Simeon waited. You see, everything you want for Christmas is found in Christ, but it's not going to come until Christ comes back. So what do I do in the meantime? Number one, live to please God more than anything in the world. Live to please God more than anything or anyone. Did you notice how he was described? Behold, verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was what? He was just and devout, or righteous and devout. And here's the principle, and this is really simple, but it's really profound. Let what you're waiting for shape how you're living. Let what you're waiting for shape how you're living. In fact, how you're living reveals what you're waiting for. You know why there wasn't very many people in Israel? Why? You know why Luke said, Behold, there's a man who's actually waiting for what really counts. You know why? Because so few really wanted what God was offering. And so few were willing to wait for it by living to please God because they knew one day God was going to come and they were going to have to give an account to Him and that He would provide all that He promised. And if He promised righteousness, how should we be living? Right. And if the answer is devotion to Him, and if we're devoted to Him, how should we be living? Devoted to Him. It's really not that hard to understand. He lived to please God. Just means righteous. Live in right relationship with God and others according to God's standards. If what we're really waiting for comes from God, then we ought to live according to God's standards as we wait. And then look at the second. Devout means devoted. Simeon lived devoted to God and to His promises, to His purposes, to His people. Listen, 
If we're really waiting for God and what He can bring, then we ought to be law-abiding and God-fearing. That's all it means. That's all it means. We should live right with God and others because someday God's going to come and reward us. We should fear God more than others because someday He's going to come and settle accounts. That's how we should be living. And that's how He was living. But there's second a second way of doing this, and that is keep in step with the Spirit. You say, well, I can't live to please God all the time. I struggle with that. Well, welcome to the club. I struggle too. And there's only two things that we can do when we don't meet God's standards, are they? That's one of them. But before we surrender, what do we do? When we can't meet God's standards, we only have two options. We want to meet the standards, but we can't. What are our two options? Pray. Okay, you guys are all too spiritual. Let's start out unspiritual. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty unspiritual uh, by nature. Uh, what do we do when? What do we do when we can't meet God's standards? What, Jerry? We try harder, and as you try harder, you fail. And so then, what do you do? What do you eventually do? Now, come on, you guys. You're not this. You're not this spiritual. Give up. Okay, that that's a legitimate. Ask forgiveness. No. <laughs> Thank you, Kirk. Uh, one carnal believer in the group like me. What do we do when we can't meet God's standards? We we lower them. Oh yeah, we we go and say, you know, I think I'll look at this from the world. Yeah, Tony, don't be acting like that. Well, never occurred to me. Never occurred to me. Never done that. Yeah, never done that. Yeah, yeah, you pious bunch of people here. What do we do? We lower God's standards to something that we can be. We do these other things. We, you know, and if we recognize that we can't lower them, which we can't, then we quit. We give up. We keep asking forgiveness. But here's the bottom line. Simeon met those standards. But how did he meet them? The answer is in verse 35. He kept in step with the Spirit. Listen, you don't lower the standards, but you can't lower the standards. But God gives us the Spirit so that we can meet God's standards. But we've got to keep in step with the Spirit if we're going to meet God's standards. Are you with me? It's all right there. Look at what it says. He was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. I look at that and say, now how do you do that? And then the next phrase, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. In fact, verses 25, 26, 27 gives us three characteristics of Simeon's relationship with the Holy Spirit. I have it in your notes. He was filled with the Spirit. He was fed by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. Boy, you can't get it laid out any easier than that, can you? Look at that. It was upon him. You know why that's so radical? That is a radical statement because the verb there is a stative verb. It means was in a permanent state upon him. Why is that unusual? Because we're not in Acts right now. We're in the Gospels. We're in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit would not come upon people permanently except for a few exceptions like Simeon who walked so close to God that the Spirit never left him. That's an amazing thing. And you know why he walked that close to God? Because he knew in his flesh he couldn't do it without him. See, we get up in the morning 
And we take care of our physical body, but we don't take care of our walk with the Spirit so often. And we charge into the day, and we fall short of God's standards. We do not please Him. We speak out of the flesh. We're angry, we're frustrated, we're impatient, we're anxious, and we come home defeated Christians. Why? Because we weren't filled by Him. We weren't fed by Him. We weren't led by Him. Look at verse 26. The Holy Spirit is the one who revealed to Him this wonderful promise that you would not see death before Christ. You would not see death before you saw the Christ. Look at verse 27. How did He he know to be in the right place at the right time? How did He know to be there? The Spirit led Him. And He followed the leading of the Spirit. I find that amazing. Listen, if you want to live to please God and you want to wait for what you really want, you're going to have to keep in step with His Spirit. And then number three, you're going to have to claim God's promises in His Word. He claimed a promise. Simeon woke up and he knew every day. You know, we wake up and do you realize every day you could die? Today could be your last day. You know what Simeon knew? Today could be my last day, but before it happens, you know who I'm going to see? I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to see... Well, he didn't know it was Jesus. I'm going to see the Messiah. Well, here's a promise that you and I have. We could die today, but if you know Christ, then you know this, that if you did die today, who you're going to, who are you going to see today? Jesus now, are you claiming that promise? Is that promise shaping how you live in the present? Is that shaping your want to and your wisher? Is that shaping you? Because it's the promise that Simeon had. It's a promise that we had. Number four, find your fulfillment in your relationship with Christ. Those who are really waiting. Listen, those who are really wanting what only God can provide, they are finding their fulfillment in their personal relationship with Christ. Listen, I just want you to leave today with this picture of Simeon just taking this child and saying, this is everything I ever wanted. You are everything I ever wanted, Lord. Everything I want is in You. Everything. And see, so many of us are embracing our spouse and saying, You are everything I ever wanted. And they're trying to get out of that suffocating embrace because they cannot be your Savior. They cannot be your God. Some of you are grabbing your children and saying, Oh, you're all I ever wanted. And when they get old enough, they will run from you to the highest hills because you're putting all your fulfillment in them. And no human can live up to that. Some of you embrace this church and say, Oh, you walk in. I get so scared when new people come and talk about how glorious this church is. And the first thing I tell them is we're full of sinners, saved by grace. Because if you think this church is going to fulfill you, you're holding on to the wrong thing. Find your fulfillment in the only one. And then live that way on a daily basis. And then number five, break the silence. Break the silence. You knew I'd get to that. Why? Because that's the theme of all of this. Break the silence by singing praises to God and sharing good news with others. You know what? Look, look back at Luke 2. Look at how he ends. Look at verse 32. Verse 32, you could write into the margin of your Bibles, break the silence by sharing the good news, a light to the Gentiles, and, number two, by singing praises to God. What does it say? Glory 
the glory of your people Israel. But if you don't believe me, look at what Simeon does. In verses 28 through 32, he sings praises to God. Does he not? Then in verses 33 through 35, he shares this good news. And you say, wait a minute, there's not good news. He talks about a sword and the falling and the rising. Oh yes, that's the good news. Because there's no good news without the bad news. The good news is, receive Christ and you will be saved. The bad news is, reject Christ and what will happen? Eternal hell. you got to share both. But look at Anna. She pictures it all. She comes in right at the precise moment. Why? She's living to please God. She's keeping in step with the Spirit. She's claiming God's promises. She's finding her fulfillment in the coming Messiah. She lands in the right place. She breaks the silence. And what does she do in verse 38? She gave thanks to the Lord. There's the song in her heart. And she spoke of Him to who? To all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Isn't that wonderful? What do you want more than anything in the world this Christmas? Don't you want to leave this world like Simeon and Anna did? Don't you want to die like they did? They died in peace doing what God wanted them to do with a song in their heart, sharing the good news, pleasing God in all things, keeping in step with the Spirit. Don't you want to wait for what can only be found in Christ? Don't you want to be able to say with your last dying breath, Amen, Amen, I found my life in Him. The polos are going to come and they're going to sing the song. It's in your chorus sheet. You can follow along. To me, this is the song of Simeon and Anna. And maybe you just bow your heads, maybe close your eyes, just reflect. And as they sing, don't you want to die with these words on your lips? Don't you want to see Christ come back and this is your song of your heart? Listen as they sing.
Jesus Christ will find our rest and all the meek and lowly blessed an infant tongue could sing the hymn of hallelujah and found in you. It's found in your word. It's found in your spirit. It's found in your son. 